To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Kerry Woodham Mornings podcast from Newstalk ZB. We heard from Kirk Hope, Business New Zealand, uh, and the Council of Trade Unions now. They're hoping that the government will be more responsive to their needs. The CTU wants to see the new government's plan for infrastructure, solving child poverty and post-cyclone recovery. They believe the loss of fair pay agreements will impact many industries, such as those who are working in hospitality. Council of Trade Unions President Richard Wagstaff joins me now. Very good morning to you. Good morning. So when it comes to being able to negotiate for yourself, should people be able to take ownership of their own skills and ability? Uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean, Kerry. Are you talking about employment, uh, negotiating an employment agreement? Yes, sorry, I am. So if I yeah. don't feel I'm getting a fair deal from my employer when I've been working in hospo, say, and I've felt that they were underpaying me, I would just take myself off somewhere else and get paid more. And I would back myself to do that. That's the theory, but that's not what happens. Um, labour markets, you know, workers aren't can't just pick up and shift um, when they feel like it at, at a whim. They have uh, mortgages, they have or they have rents, they have food put on the table and so forth. And we find them sort of mobility is labour mobility is quite sticky uh, to use an economic sort of t- yeah. colloquialism. And so people can't really easily just um, move. Uh, you know, it's, there's a lot to consider. Certainly there comes a point that people will try and move, but they need to know they're in an economy where there's plenty of jobs. And, you know, job security is a really big priority for people, particularly who are living week to week. Given that there were, we're a nation of small and medium business owners, it's an interoperable, interdependent relationship. You know, you that employers utterly depend on their employees for a productive business. And I certainly heard during COVID the, the fear that so many business owners had and the responsibility that they had of keeping the business going because they knew their employees were dependent on that job to pay their rent, pay their mortgage. I've always seen it as a working together relationship, not that sort of 50s construct of, of the boss and the worker. Yeah, a, a couple of things. One is that we're not really a nation of small employers. That's what, what that's a kind of a, a myth. Most people work for organisations with more than 200 employees. So while there are many more small employers than big ones, the big ones employ much, much more people. Right. Secondly, of course it is. Uh, absolutely, um, our interests, the interests of working people and the interests of employers are highly um, connected. In fact, we can't have successful jobs without successful businesses. But unfortunately, you can have successful businesses and bad jobs. And that's what we need to, uh, you know, we need to keep in check. And that, our role is simply to say, let's have a process where, where there is a fair voice and a fair influence in that process alongside employers. Broadly speaking, individual workers particularly are quite vulnerable. It's not easy for them to stand up to employers. Um, that's not just my view. That's sort of in our law, um, you know, the Employment Relations Act, even the Contracts Act recognises an imbalance between an employer and, a, and an employee. And so what we need is, you know, workers need support and confidence in, in um, sometimes telling employers what they don't want to hear about health and safety, about the way things are done, and that's not easy to do if you're in a vulnerable situation. If workers then needed the protection of unions, wouldn't more people join unions? I mean, we've seen a decline in union membership for some years. Uh, well, actually, not in the last few years, but 
in terms of decline we've been growing. Um, but actually not really, it's not that simple, Kerry. What we find is that people who join unions, it's not the person who changes, it's where they work. So if one person, an individual, might be working in a place where there is no union, mm-hmm. and it's just not um, realistic for them to stand up and say, I want to join a union, particularly if they think their employer will see that as a bad thing. Um, whereas if that same worker could go and work in a, a, as a teacher or a nurse or in a place where everyone else is a union member, and they will almost certainly join the union. So it's more um, determined by where people work rather than what their individual choices are. Um, I don't think people can easily access unions in many industries, and they see their employers often see it as a, as a kind of a as a challenge or an insurrection, and um, that's really un- unhelpful really? and disappointing. Absolutely, I think a lot of employers don't understand the role of unions and feel threatened by unions rather than see them as an opportunity for their their workers to have support and to be able to um, have a stronger voice in the economy. I do get it. Like I used to get really annoyed when people would say, well, if you're working a low wage job, go and get a higher paged one, uh, you know, a higher waged one, upskill yourself. We still need people to do the basic jobs. And we saw how vital they were during COVID. And it annoys me to, when people say, well, just leave that job because somebody still needs to do it. And when they do it well and when they do it, you know, they're, they're good, honest workers. They deserve to be able to live with dignity, you know. Um, Absolutely. I, and, and I the, totally the agree. The idea with of that. working poor is, is really disappointing, isn't it? That mm. people who work hard can still basically not afford the basics in life. And I think it's a situation that nobody would, would support. So, with the fair pay agreements gone, do you think that it's possible for the big corporates who do employ a lot of people on relatively low wages to be shamed into paying them well after all the lip service paid to these people during COVID? Uh, that'd be nice. But no, I don't think that will happen. In fact, there are um, large employers who, who tell us privately that they welcome a fair pay agreement because it'll lift a standard. But if they're in a competitive industry with other employers, and we saw that in the bus industry in Wellington, where we had um, the, the company that, that, rep- that owned the, the Wellington bus company saying, we can't afford to maintain wages against our competitors who pay low wages. And so we need to cut your wages or we'll never win another tender. Mm. And so that's the idea of fair pay agreements is that they just set a lowest uh, standard that's a minimum that you can't go under. So when businesses are tendering or, or in stiff competition, they don't try to cut wages to win contracts or win business. They actually try to improve quality instead. And so that's kind of the issue there. It's about having a, an industry standard. Interesting. Thank you, Richard, for the, that Thanks. perspective. Just um, do you regret the attack ads that were a bit lacking in <gasps> vital information. I mean, you might have won the battle because they were clever, but you kind of lost the war with them, didn't you? No, we don't think. We had um, a lot of really good feedback. We just, this is democracy, you know. We're meant to be able to assert things, and we think the worker voice has to be up there, and um, that was what we did. And we we were, um, we had ads saying, we think there's a real issue here. We do think that the promises of, of National and Act are a real threat to the interests of working people. Um, we don't resolve from that. It's our job in a democracy to speak up. And we do so proudly, and so you know, expect more of that. I think, um, uh, you know, um, we've got ourselves out there. Our, the profile of those issues is heightened, and, and we we obviously intend to carry on with speaking up for working people and their interests. I thank you very much for your time, Richard Wagstaff, Council of Trade Unions President. For more from Kerry Woodham Mornings, listen live to News Talk ZB from nine AM weekdays, or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. 
We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.